Hello, wonderful people, and welcome. I have feedback coming in through my ear, because apparently I'm watching my own stream and it's not muted like it should be. There we go. Fantastic. So, I hope you're all doing well. Um, I have left up for uh, for the moment uh, my my mixed play panel for for the uh, chat plays dungeon world. If y'all want to mess around in there, you can feel free to do so. Um, gonna close out some extra tabs. Just googling Jim Broadbent, I guess. Gwen Dog says I've had a rough couple of days. Super psyched for this. Well, I'm glad you're psyched. I'm sorry to hear that you've had a rough couple of days, but I'm very glad that you are here. Hopefully, this will be a nice, relaxing time uh, for all of us. Frankly. That'll be good. I've got a, I've got some a little bit of extra noise in the background. That will be that will be gone very shortly. Never you fear. Yeah, hopefully you got a, hopefully your next few days are better. I also had a really rough week last week, um, but fortunately that is resolving well. Things are things are looking very very good now, um, and uh, so. Um, not nearly as worried about it as I was. It was looking possibly like it was going to be a very long, ongoing issue, but things are looking good now. So thank goodness for that. Um, Henny in Discord says, I'm excited, although I'm afraid I won't be able to attend. Already on 10th chapter of the second book. I'll catch up soon. Fantastic. Yeah. Henny, we will see you when we see you. Henny is one of our uh, Dungeon World players. It's been fantastic. Henny has uh, really... Really taken Lenaith by the horns there, and uh, I don't know, made it made made her a very interesting character. Let's see. Courtney says, "Always look forward to Thursdays for these streams." So do I. Absolutely. Yeah. Last week just dragged on um, because without this, without these streams to kind of mark my week by, time just moves differently. Paper Coronet says, "So excited! This is my first stream." finally caught up after six busy months. I'm very happy to hear you. Uh, happy to hear you. Happy to see you. Happy to hear that you're finally here. Saf the Sage, welcome. I thought you'd be back in. It's the first time being here live. Fantastic. I love new live, new new names in the live chat. So happy to see you. 22, how's it going? <laughs> hey, just uh, 22, just turn the volume up. Good morning from Australia book and hook yeah i think this i think we fell like right in the sweet spot for at least for like native english speakers i don't know like i would love to i would love to be available at, at, i mean this is why i upload them as well but um i wish i could be doing these at a time when everyone could jump in but it seems like what time is it for you book and hook book and hook that's not how it's pronounced yeah i'm glad to be back Witch Hazel. Mrs. Buddy says, I'm just happy to be awake. Ah, having to decide between <laughs> listening to a university lecture or this. I'm going to be honest, book. Go listen to the university lecture. This will be up on YouTube. This will be up. Don't worry about it. Listen to this while you're, while you, uh, while you're in the midst of your homework or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, I'm not gonna. I'm not the boss, but I will say. Um, I mean, this will like this will be available. You know what I mean? This will be this will be waiting for you when you need it, at your beck and call, book and hook. It'll be ready for it when you need it. Muffin Man says hello. Hello, Muffin Man. <laughs> no problem, book. Uh, uh, okay. First time tuning in from Germany. 
it's late here, but I wanted to say hello. Hello. Um, help me out with this. Uh, Rebaker? Rebaker? I feel like I know enough about German pronunciation not to put that characteristic the guttural on the CK. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> people are people are always very kind with uh, how I pronounce their names. I appreciate it. Yeah, Saf the Sage says it's just gone midnight here in the UK, but I'm determined to listen. All right, I'll just call you Rebecca if that's okay. Unless you want to, I'm I'm totally fine being coached through a pronunciation. We'll see how well I can sort of remember that, but <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, very good to have you here. Of course. Yeah, it's uh, just gone midnight in the UK. I, I used to do these two hours later, and I realized, okay, starting at 2 a.m. is not doing anybody any good across the pond. Ah, I gotcha. Rebecca is actually right. Okay, fantastic. Perfect. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I realized 2 a.m. is not doing anybody any favors across the pond, so I figured midnight would at least be almost okay. It would almost be appropriate. I don't want to do it too much earlier because then it's uh, then it's outside of, you know, regular viewing hours here in the U.S., I guess you'd say. I don't know. Anyway, uh, let's talk about some review, shall we? Let's talk about review. It's been a minute, right? It's been, a, it's been a, an extra week since last time. What did we find out last time? It was a shorter stream because stuff was just kicking up for me. We did one chapter. Let me let me pull up that chapter title for us. Chapter title was The Slug Club. Anybody remember what we learned in The Slug Club? Deb. How's it going, Potterhead? Thanks for the smiles and the giggles. You are very welcome. Beans, beans, beans. Um... Yeah, folks, what do we remember? What do, you, what do we remember from the Slug Club? Ah, well, you crochet. Fantastic. Harry, uh, Witch Hazel says, Harry and Malfoy stuff? Question mark? Mr. Foose. By the way, y'all can thank Mr. Foose um, for uh, the, the uh, abundance of art this week. Um, this week and I think last week, last few weeks. Yeah, Mr. Foose did some some solid work and, and put together a lot of the uh, the art that I then put into my into my scenes here. So you can thank Mr. Foose for all that. Um, Malfoy isn't cool to all Slytherins after all. Yeah, uh, some of these chapters are pretty challenging to figure out. You know what, like a you know where is some of this art going? But uh, where's the chapter going? Uh, Courtney says Harry was on the Hogwarts Express and him and Neville got invited to the Slug Club. Yes, indeed. So we're on the Hogwarts Express. We're going to Hogwarts and Harry finds himself interrupted. Not just Harry, but also Neville Longbottom, um, uh, Ginny Weasley, and some other students from elsewhere. Um, why? Well, it turns out that Horace Slughorn, the new professor at Hogwarts, is doing what they were warned about. He is forming up. He wants to talk to some of the students that could help him be more connected. Maybe some promising up-and-comers. Maybe some people who are just connected to powerful people. Uh, either way, uh, a very Slytherin sort of attitude, you know, creating a, a web of contacts that might be able to serve him and each other well. Um, Sl uh, 22 says, Slughorn is all about the fame and Malfoy isn't invited. Indeed. He's not. 
Um, but Malfoy is trying to put on a brave face about it and says, you know, he doesn't really care because he's got other stuff going on. And when Harry hears this, he wants to know exactly what that means. He's already suspicious that, that uh, Malfoy might be a replacement for his own father. That Malfoy, Draco Malfoy is now a Death Eater. Um, most people aren't really buying that story, but Harry wants to learn more. And Malfoy is certainly giving off some clues that, you know, he might be into something deeper, something darker than just inquisitorial squad or being your average, um, you know, school bully type. In the end, it turns out that uh, Malfoy knew Harry was hiding under the invisibility cloak in the room all the while, and uh, he ends up stunning Harry and leaving him with a broken nose, frozen on the floor of the Hogwarts Express. So, that's where we're at. And I think let's proceed, shall we? As usual, if anyone has anything they would like to discuss, please put it in chat. I will be keeping an eye on both the Discord and the uh, the Mixer chat. I would love to talk about anything you want to talk about, either during chatter breaks or um, in between chapters. So. <laughs> you bum man. <laughs> I saw it. Okay. So I'm going to go turn off the uh, the AC so it's not making that hissing noise in the background, and then I'll be right back, and we'll get started. Ah, I'm tangled. Ah! Let us proceed. And a quick reminder while I've got you all here, um, anyone who is in the Discord or who has joined the Discord, don't forget to go to the notifications channel. It's relatively new in the past few weeks. Um, and uh, select any of the things that you're interested in so you can make sure that you're getting all the notifications for the stuff that you're interested in and only for those things. Thank you very much. Okay. Let us begin. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Chapter 8. Snape Victorious Harry could not move a muscle. He lay there beneath the invisibility cloak, feeling the blood from his nose flow hot and wet over his face, listening to the voices and footsteps in the corridor beyond. His immediate thought was that someone surely would check the compartments before the train departed again. But at once came the dispiriting realization that even if somebody did look into the compartment, he would be neither seen nor heard. His best hope was that somebody else would walk in and step on him. Imas, welcome. Welcome to Scooter Patrol. Harry had never hated Malfoy more than as he lay there like an absurd turtle on its back blood dripping sickeningly into his open mouth. What a stupid situation to have landed himself in. And now the last few footsteps were dying away. Everyone was shuffling along the dark platform outside. He could hear the scraping of trunks and the loud babble of talk. Ron and Hermione would think that he had left the train. Without them. Once they had arrived at Hogwarts and... They took their places in the Great Hall, looked up and down the Gryffindor table a few times, and finally realized he was not there. He, no doubt, would be halfway back to London. 
He tried to make a sound, even a grunt, but it was impossible. And he remembered that some wizards, like Dumbledore, could perform spells without speaking, so he tried to summon his wand, which had fallen out of his hand, by saying the words, Accio wand, over and over again inside his head. But nothing happened. He thought he could hear the rustling of the trees that surrounded the lake, and the far-off hoot of an owl, but no hint of a search being made, or even, he despised himself slightly for hoping it, panicked voices wondering where Harry Potter had gone. A feeling of hopelessness spread through him as he imagined the convoy of Thestral-drawn carriages trundling up to the school and the muffled yells of laughter issuing from whichever carriage Malfoy was riding in when he recounted his attack on Harry to Crabbe, Goyle, Zabini, and Pansy Parkinson. The train lurched, causing Harry to roll over onto his side. Now he was staring at the dusty underside of the seats instead of the ceiling. The floor began to vibrate as the engine roared into life. The express was leaving, and nobody knew he was still on it. Then he felt his invisibility cloak fly off of him and a voice overhead said, Watch out, Harry. There was a flash of red light and Harry's body unfroze. He was able to push himself into a more dignified sitting position, hastily wiping the blood off of his bruised face with the back of his hand and raising his head to look at Tonks, who was holding the invisibility cloak she had just pulled away. We better get out of here, quickly she said as the train windows became obscured with steam and they began to move out of the station. Come on, we'll jump. Harry hurried after her into the corridor. She pulled open the train door and leapt out onto the platform, which seemed to be sliding underneath them as the train gathered momentum. He followed her, staggered a little on the landing, then straightened up just in time to see the scleam screaming hello, to see the gleaming scarlet engine pick up speed round the corner and disappear from view. The cold night air was soothing on his throbbing nose. Tonks was looking at him. He felt angry and embarrassed that he had been discovered in such a ridiculous position. Silently, she handed him back the invisibility cloak. Who did it? Draco Malfoy, said Harry bitterly. Thanks for... well... No problem, said Tonks, without smiling. From what Harry could see in the darkness, she was as mousy-haired and miserable-looking as she had been when he had met her at the burrow. I can fix your nose if you stand still. Harry did not think much of this idea. He had been intending to see Madame Pomfrey, the matron, in whom he had a little bit more confidence when it came to healing spells, but it seemed rude to say this, so he stayed stock-still and closed his eyes. Episky, said Tonks. Harry's nose felt very hot and then very cold. He raised a hand and felt it gingerly. It seemed to be mended. Thanks a lot. You better put that cloak back on. We can walk back up to the school, said Tonks, still unsmiling. As Harry swung the cloak back over himself, she waved her wand. An immense, silvery, four-legged creature erupted from it and streaked off into the darkness. Was that a Patronus? asked Harry, who had seen Dumbledore send messages like this. Yep, I'm sending word up to the castle that I've got you, or the worry. 
Come on, we better not dawdle. They set off toward the lane that led up to the school. How did you find me? I noticed you hadn't left the train and I knew that you had the cloak. I thought you might be hiding for some reason. When I saw that the blinds were drawn in that compartment, I thought I'd check. But what are you doing here, anyway? Harry asked. I'm stationed in Ogsmeen now. Gave the school extra protection, said Tonks. Is it just you who's stationed up here, or... No, Proudfoot, Savage and Dawlish are up here too. Dawlish, that aura Dumbledore attacked last year. That's right. They trudged up the dark, deserted lane. Following the freshly made carriage tracks, Harry looked sideways at Tonks under his cloak. Last year she had been inquisitive, to the point of being a little annoying at times. She had laughed easily. She had made jokes. Now she seemed older, and much more serious and purposeful. Was this all the effect of what had happened at the Ministry? He reflected uncomfortably that Hermione had suggested he say something consoling about Sirius to her, that it hadn't been her fault at all, but he couldn't bring himself to do it. He was far from blaming her for Sirius's death. It was no more her fault than anyone else's, and much less than his. But he didn't like talking about Sirius if he could avoid it. So they trampled through the cold night in silence, Tonks's long cloak whispering on the ground behind them. Having always traveled there by carriage, Harry had never before appreciated just how far Hogwarts was from Hogsmeade Station. With great relief, he finally saw the tall pillars on either side of the gates, which were each topped with a winged boar. He was cold, he was hungry, and he was quite keen to leave this new, gloomy Tonks behind. But when he put out a hand to open the gates, he found them chained shut. Alamahora! he said confidently, pointing his wand at the padlock, but nothing happened. That won't work on these, said Tonks. Dumbledore bewitched him himself. How's it going, Firejet? Harry looked around. I could climb a wall, he suggested. No, you couldn't, said Tonks flatly. Anti-intruder jinxes on all of them. Security's been taught in the hundredfold this summer. Well then, said Harry, starting to feel annoyed at her lack of helpfulness, I suppose I'll just have to sleep out here and wait for morning. Someone's coming down for you, said Tonks. Look. A lantern was bobbing at the distant foot of the castle. Harry was so pleased to see the Harry was so pleased to see it that he felt he could even endure Filch's wheezy criticisms of his tardiness, and rants about how his timekeeping would improve with regular application of thumbscrews. It was not until the glowing light was ten feet away from them, and Harry had pulled off his invisibility cloak, that he could be seen, and he recognized with a rush of pure loathing the uplit, hooked nose and long, black, greasy hair of Severus Snape. Well, 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 sneered Snape, taking out his wand and tapping the padlock once so that the chains snicked back into the gates, and it creaked open. Nice of you to turn up, Potter, although you have evidently decided that the wearing of school robes would detract from your appearance. I didn't change. I didn't have. 
Harry began, but Snape cut across him. There's no need to wait, Nymphadora. Potter is quite uh, safe in my hands. I meant for Hagrid to get the message, said Tonks, frowning. Hagrid was late for the start of term feast, just like Potter here, so I took it instead. And incidentally, said Snape, standing back to allow Harry to pass him, I was interested to see your new Patronus. He shut the gates in her face with a loud clang and tapped at the chains with his wand again, so that they slithered, clinking, back into place. I think you were better off with the old one, said Snape, the malice in his voice unmistakable. Unmistakable. Yeah, I'm a Snape ball. Unacceptable, that's what that is. The new one looks weak. As Snape swung the lantern about, Harry saw fleetingly a look of shock and anger on Tonks's face. Then she was covered in darkness once more. Good night, Harry called to her over his shoulder as he began to walk up to the school with Snape. Thanks for everything. See you, Harry. Snape did not speak for a minute or so. Harry felt as though his body was generating waves of hatred so powerful that it seemed incredible Snape did not feel them burning him. He had loathed Snape from their very first encounter. But Snape had placed himself forever and irrevocably beyond the possibility of Harry's forgiveness by his attitude toward Sirius. Whatever Dumbledore said... Harry had had time to think over the summer, and had concluded that Snape's snide remarks about Sirius, about remaining safely hidden while the rest of the Order of the Phoenix were off fighting Voldemort, had probably been a powerful actor, powerful factor in Sirius rushing off to the Ministry the night that he had died. Harry clung to this notion, because it enabled him to blame Snape, which felt satisfying, and also because he knew that if anyone was not sorry that Sirius was dead... It was the man now striding next to him in the darkness. Fifty points from Gryffindor for lateness, I think, said Snape. And let me see another twenty for your muggle attire. You know, I don't believe any house has ever seen negative figures this early in the term. We haven't even started pudding. We might have set a record, Potter. Awkward wildflower. Wallflower, welcome to Scooter Patrol. Good to have you here. The fury and hatred bubbling inside Harry seemed to blaze white hot. But he would have rather been immobilized all the way back to London than tell Snape why he was late. I suppose you wanted to make an entrance, did you? Snape continued. And with no flying card available, you decided that bursting into the Great Hall halfway through the feast ought to create a dramatic effect. Still, Harry remained silent, though he thought his chest might explode. He knew that Snape had come to fetch him for this, for the few minutes when he could needle and torment Harry without anyone else listening. They reached the castle steps at last, and as the great oaken front doors swung open into the vast flagged entrance hall, a burst of talk and laughter and of tinkling plates and glasses greeted them through the doors, standing open into the great hall. Harry wondered whether he could slip the hidden Harry wondered whether he could slip 
into the invisibility cloak, thereby gaining his seat at the long Gryffindor table, which, inconveniently, was the furthest from the entrance hall, without being noticed. As though he had read Harry's mind, however, Snape said, No, cloak. You can walk in so that everyone sees you, which is what you wanted, I'm sure. Harry turned on the spot and marched straight through the open doors, anything to get away from Snape. The great hall, with its four long house tables and its staff table set at the top of the room, was decorated as usual with floating candles that made the plates below glitter and glow. It was all a shimmering blur to Harry, however, who walked so fast that he was passing the Hufflepuff table before people really started to stare. By the time they were standing up to get a good look at him, he had spotted Ron and Hermione, sped along the benches toward them, and forced his way in between them. "'Where have you—' "'Blimey, what have you done to your face?' said Ron, goggling at him with everyone else in the vicinity. "'Why, what's wrong with it?' said Harry, grabbing a spoon and squinting at his distorted reflection. Covered in blood, said Hermione. Come here. She raised her wand, said, Tergio, and siphoned off the dried blood. Thanks, said Harry, feeling his now clean face. How's my nose looking? Normal, said Hermione anxiously. Why shouldn't it? Harry, what's happened? We've been terrified. I'll tell you later, said Harry curtly. He was very conscious that Ginny, Neville, and Dean... Ginny, Neville, Dean, and Seamus were listening in. Even nearly headless Nick, the Gryffindor ghost, had come floating along the bench to eavesdrop. But, said Hermione, not now, Hermione, said Harry, in a darkly significant voice. He hoped very much that they would all assume he had been involved in something heroic, preferably involving a couple of Death Eaters and a Dementor. Of course, Malfoy would spread the story as far and wide as he could, but... There was always a chance it wouldn't reach too many Gryffindor ears. He reached across Ron for a couple of chicken legs and a handful of chips, but before he could take them, they vanished, to be replaced with puddings. You missed the sorting anyway, said Hermione, as Ron dived for a large chocolate gâteau. Cho chocolate gâteau, excuse me. Hat say anything interesting? asked Harry, taking a piece of treacle tart. More of the same, really, advising us all to unite in the face of our enemies, you know. Dumbledore mentioned Voldemort at all? Not yet, but he always saves his proper speech for after the feast, doesn't he? It can't be long now. Snape said that Hagrid has been late for the feast. You've seen Snape? Oh, come, said Ron, between frenzied mouthfuls of Gateau. Bumped into him, said Harry evasively. Hagrid was only a few minutes late, said Hermione. Look, he's waving at you, Harry. Harry looked up at the staff table and grinned at Hagrid, who was indeed waving at him. Hagrid had never quite managed to comfort himself with the dignity of Professor McGonagall. Oh, excuse me. Hagrid had never quite managed to comport himself with the dignity of Professor McGonagall, head of Gryffindor House, the top of whose head came up somewhere between Hagrid's elbow and shoulder as they were sitting side by side, and who was looking disapprovingly at his enthusiastic greeting. Harry was surprised to see the divination teacher, Professor Trelawney, sitting on Hagrid's other side. She rarely left her tower room, and he had never seen her at the start of term feast before. She looked as odd as ever, glittering with beads and trailing shawls, her eyes magnified to enormous size by her spectacles. 
Having always considered her a bit of a fraud, Harry had been shocked to discover, at the end of the previous term, that it had been she who had made the prediction that caused Lord Voldemort to kill Harry's parents and attack Harry himself. Welcome back, Louise. How are the goats? <laughs> the knowledge had made Harry even less eager to find himself in her company, but thankfully, this year he would be dropping divination. Her great beacon-like eyes swiveled in his direction. He hastily looked away toward the Slytherin table. Draco Malfoy was miming the shattering of a nose to raucous laughter and applause. Harry dropped his gaze to his treacle tart, his insides burning again. What he would not give to fight Malfoy one-on-one. -on -one. So what did Professor Slughorn want? Hermione asked. To know what really happened to the Ministry, said Harry. Mm, him and everyone else, sniffed Hermione. People were interrogating us about it on the train, weren't they, Ron? <laughs> Louise, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, said Ron. They all wanted to know if you really are the chosen one. There has been much talk of that very subject even amongst the ghosts, interrupted nearly headless Nick, inclining his barely connected head toward Harry so that it wobbled dangerously on his ruff. I am considered something of a Potter authority. It is widely known that we are friendly. I have assured the spirit community that I will not pester you for information, however. Harry Potter knows that he can confide in me with complete confidence, I told them. I would rather die than betray his trust. That's not saying much, seeing as you're already dead, Ron observed. Marble mouth, come on, man. That's not much, seeing as you're already dead, Ron observed. Once again you show all the sensitivity of a blunt axe said nearly headless Nick in affronted tones, and he rose into the air and glided back toward the far end of the Gryffindor table, just as Dumbledore got to his feet at the staff table. The talk and laughter echoing around the great hall died away almost instantly. The very best of evenings to you, said Dumbledore, smiling broadly, his arms opened wide as though to embrace the whole room. <gasps> what happened to his hand? gasped Hermione. She was not the only one who had noticed. Dumbledore's right hand was as blackened and dead-looking as it had been on the night he had come to fetch Harry from the Dursleys. Whispers swept the room. Dumbledore, interpreting them correctly, merely smiled and shook his purple and gold sleeve over his injury. Nothing to worry about, he said airily. Now, to our new students, welcome. To our old students, welcome back. Another year full of magical education awaits you. His hand was like that when I saw him over the summer, Harry whispered to Hermione. I thought he'd have cured her by now, though. Or Madame Pomfrey would have done. It looks as if it's died, said Hermione, with nauseated expressions. But there are some injuries that you can't cure. Old curses, and there are poisons without antidotes. And Mr. Filch... Oh. And, Mr. Filch, our caretaker has asked me to say that there is a blanket ban on any joke items bought at the shop called Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Those wishing to play for the house Quidditch teams should give their names to the heads of house as usual. 
We are also looking for new Quidditch commentators who should do likewise. We are pleased to welcome a new member of staff this year, Professor Slughorn. Slughorn stood up, his bald head gleaming in the candlelight, his big waistcoated belly casting the table below into shadow. Is a former colleague of mine who has agreed to resume his old post of potions master. Potions? Potions? The word echoed all over the hall as people wondered whether they had heard right. Potions, said Ron and Hermione together, staring at Harry. But you said... Professor Snape, meanwhile, said Dumbledore, raising his voice so that it carried all over the muttering. We'll be taking over the position of defense against the dark arts, teacher. No, said Harry, so loudly that many heads turned in his direction. He didn't care. I'm going to sneeze. I've probably got another one coming, if I know myself. No, I guess not. Harry did not care. He was staring up at the staff table, incensed. How could Snape be given the defense against the Dark Arts job after all this time? Hadn't it been widely known for years that Dumbledore did not trust him to do it? But Harry, you said that Slughorn was going to be teaching defense against the Dark Arts, said Hermione. I thought that he was, said Harry, racking his brains to remember when Dumbledore had told him this, but now that he came to think of it, he was unable to recall Dumbledore ever telling him what Slughorn would be teaching. Snape, who was sitting on Dumbledore's right, did not stand up at the mention of his name. He merely raised a hand in lazy acknowledgement of the applause from the Slytherin table, yet Harry was sure he could detect a look of triumph on the features he loathed so much. "'Well, there's one good thing,' he said savagely. "'Snape will be gone by the end of the year.' "'What do you mean?' asked Ron. "'That job is jinxed. No one has lasted more than a year.' Quarrel actually died doing it. Personally, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for another death. Harry, said Hermione, shocked and reproachful. He might just go back to teaching potions at the end of the year, said Ryan reasonably. That slughorn bloke might not want to stay long term. Moody didn't. Dumbledore cleared his throat. Harry, Ron, and Hermione were not the only ones who had been talking. The whole hall had erupted into a buzz of conversation at the news that Snape had finally achieved his heart's desire. Seemingly oblivious to the sensational nature of the news he had just imparted, Dumbledore said nothing more about staff appointments, but was waiting a few seconds more to ensure that the silence was absolute before continuing. Now, as everyone in this hall knows, Lord Voldemort and his followers are once more at large and gaining in strength. The silence seemed to totten and strain as Dumbledore spoke. Harry glanced at Malfoy. Malfoy was not looking at Dumbledore, but making his fork hover in midair with his wand as though he found the headmaster's words unworthy of his attention. I cannot emphasize strongly enough how dangerous the present situation is, and how much care each of us at Hogwarts must take to ensure that we remain safe. The castle's magical fortifications have been strengthened over the summer, 
We are protected in new and more powerful ways, but we must still guard scrupulously against carelessness on the part of any student or member of staff. I urge you, therefore, to abide by any security restrictions that your teachers might impose upon you, however irksome you may find them. In particular, the rule that you are not to be out of bed after hours. I implore you, should you notice anything strange or suspicious within or outside the castle, to report it to a member of staff immediately. I trust you to conduct yourselves always with the utmost regard for your own and others' safety. Dumbledore's blue eyes swept over the students before he smiled once more. But now... Your beds await, as warm and comfortable as you could possibly wish, and I know that your top priority is to be well rested for your lessons tomorrow. Let us therefore say good night. Pip-pip! With the usual deafening scraping noise, the benches were moved back and the hundreds of students began to file out of the Great Hall toward their dormitories. Harry, who was in no hurry to leave at all with the gawping crowd, nor to get near enough to Malfoy to allow him to retell the story of the nose-stamping, lagged behind, pretending to retie the lace of his trainer, allowing most of the Gryffindors to draw ahead of him. Hermione had darted ahead to fulfill her prefect's duty of shepherding the first years, but Ron remained with Harry. So what really happened to your nose? he asked once they were at the very back of the throng, pressing out of the great hall and out of earshot of anyone else. Harry told him, it was a mark of the strength of their friendship that Ron did not laugh. Yeah, I saw Malfoy Mom in something to do with a nose, he said darkly. Yeah, well, never mind that, said Harry bitterly. Listen to what he was saying before he found out that I was there. Harry had expected Ron to be stunned by Malfoy's boasts. <sighs> with what Harry considered to be pure pig-headedness, however, Ron was unimpressed. Come on, Harry, he was just showing off for Parkinson. What kind of mission would you know who have given to him? How do you know Voldemort doesn't need someone at Hogwarts? He wouldn't be the first... I wish that you'd stop saying that name, Harry, said a rep Oh, that's not it. <laughs> Oops. Silly Tilly, welcome to Scooter Patrol. Good to have you. Um, I wish you'd stop saying that name, Harry said a reproachful voice behind them. Harry looked over his shoulder to see Hagrid shaking his head. Dumbledore uses that name, said Harry stumbledly. Yeah, well, that's Dumbledore, innit? said Hagrid mysteriously. So, how come you were late, Harry? I was worried. Got held up on the train, said Harry. Why were you late? I was with Grop, said Hagrid happily. Lost track of the time. He's got a new home up in the mountains now. Dumbledore fixed it. Big, nice cave. He's much happier than he was in the forest. We were having a good chat. Really, said Harry, taking care not to catch Ron's eye. The last time he had met Hagrid's half-brother, a vicious giant with a talent for ripping trees up by the roots, his vocabulary had comprised five words, two of which he was unable to pronounce properly. Yep, he's really coming on said Hagrid proudly. You'll be amazed. I think I might train him as me assistant. Ron snorted loudly, but managed to pass it off as a violent sneeze. They were now standing... Standling, hello. They were now standing beside the oak front doors. Anyway, 
I'll see you tomorrow. First lesson straight after lunch. Come early and you can say hello to Bo I mean, wither wings. Raising an arm in a cheery farewell, he headed out the front doors into the darkness. Harry and Ron looked at each other. Harry could tell that Ron was expecting... Harry could tell that Ron was experiencing the same sinking feeling as himself. You're not taking care of magical creatures, are you? Ron shook his head. And you're not either, are you? Harry shook his head, too. And Hermione, said Ron. She's not, is she? Harry shook his head again. Exactly what Hagrid would say when he realized his free three... Exactly what Hagrid would say when he realized his three favorite students had given up his subject, he didn't like to think. That is the end of our first chapter for today. If you are listening on the uh, on the Discord and Mixer, fantastic. If you are listening on the YouTube premiere, keep in mind that after this is over, go ahead and uh, jump into the Mixer because we'll be live immediately after this on YouTube. But this ain't on YouTube yet. It will be on YouTube in one week. So, Ema, thank you for uh, getting people caught up. Silly Tilly, good to have you around. Yep, stream's been going for about 40 minutes. Uh, Fairy Bud, welcome. Now, wait a second. Hold on. Fairy Bud, I'm trying to decide if this is a name I recognize from Twitter over the past week. Let's see. Let's find out. Now, for all of you who know how this works, I'm going to be taking a quick five-minute break. Um, before I do so, um, I'm going to give you all a chance to... Uh, nope. Nope, I guess not. I am excited to see you here, though, Fairy Bud. Welcome, welcome. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to be taking a quick break, about five minutes long, and then we'll get back into our next chapter. Um, before I go, though, we haven't had an opportunity for a chatter break. So, what are we talking about here? I love seeing new faces around. Yep, Tonks uh, saved Harry and Snape brought him up to the castle. Slughorn is uh, the new potions teacher. Snape is defense against the dark arts teacher. Uh, Mr. Foo says, do you feel like one of the Harry Potter books should have raised up... Uh, in, in Gryffindor villain or a low-level villain, like a rival classmate who tries to steal the invisibility cloak or something. Um, I think that would certainly make sense. And you know what? Um, I've been I've been trying to kick around ideas. By the way, y'all are the perfect people to ask about this. So here's my chatter break question. <laughs> perfect. Okay. So, Mr. Foos, I think that would be an excellent topic for sort of a spin-off series or an ex excellent element from within that. Here's my question, folks. Um, being a screenwriter and being somebody who is predicting um, a specific kind of content bubble coming up recently, or uh, not recently, but um, in the near future, I'm curious what sort of what sort of spinoff series would you like to see from the Harry Potter stories? Um, of course, we've had the one spinoff series, right? The uh, the um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Um, I'm imagining one, uh, definitely a TV show. So definitely, uh, I'm thinking probably an hour-long uh, TV show, you know, maybe uh, 12 episodes in a season, that kind of thing. Maybe a mini-series, but definitely uh, a, a show rather than a, a series of films. So 
while I'm on break, I want y'all to be thinking about that, and I will come back and we'll talk about it. Before I go, I'll, I'll take a look at some of them. I mean, I'm seeing Marauders about four times in a row immediately, and I got to agree with you. There's a lot to be offered there, right? Um, a lot of that with the... And I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Um, a lot of the internal struggle. I mean, you know what? Mr. Foose, that's probably where we would land with it, right? A, uh, um, That's what... Um, that's what Peter Pettigrew was. He was an in Gryffindor villain, um, kind of a low level one, but like we would be able to watch. I mean, what one thing that I, oh, I've always found really interesting, I think it's part of the reason why I found, you know, Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad so attractive is I like to see where villains come from. If we've just got somebody like Voldemort who, um, you know, for the first long time, like their, their whole steez is just like, I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you. It doesn't offer me a whole lot. So when we learn later on about, you know, where does Voldemort come from, that offers me a lot more interest. And I think that that a a show covering the origins of kind of Peter, the origins of Wormtail, as opposed to you know Peter Pettigrew, um, following the 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 adventures of of the group of the Marauders, I think we have that'd be a fantastic one. But I'm still interested to hear more takes on this. If anybody else has ideas. Which Hazel says, maybe just stories from other countries, other schools, like the US, you know, Fleur and Victor's school. So, so I gotcha. So, like a, a, something following Beauxbatons or um, uh, Durmstrang, or maybe just sort of a more international story. Um, Harthook is saying Lupin, and I want, I, like, I would love to see the one that I've never heard anybody else mention before is Lupin spends some time with a specific group of people. Uh, I don't think we find out about it until later this story or this book or next book. Um, but I think that would make an excellent miniseries, what he does when he's off kind of on his own, um, following Lupin specifically. Uh, Saft Sage says, seeing how the whole build up to why and how Potter betrayed James and Lily would be so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a perfect thing to, to look at. And um, I think I think there is something villainous to offer there. I, I also think that, you know, this is not going to... I don't think that it would be the first time that... Um, that Pettigrew did something like this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he just immediately switched over. I think this was, there was probably a longer story to be told about Pettigrew, and I think that would be fascinating. Um, and uh, Awkward Wallflower says, how Bellatrix became so interesting. That would definitely be a good one. The Bellatrix, the strange story. Um, maybe just the, you know, like the, the, the Black family story. That could be interesting. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, you know, following like Regulus and um, Sirius as they were younger, that would probably that could probably tie in pretty well to the uh, to the Marauders series. Either that or the or, you know Marauders could be kind of a, a background for that series. Fenrir Greyback's story, yep, that'd be a good one. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to follow other um, to explore other regardless of what it is. I would love to see it explore other cultures within the magical world, not necessarily the wizarding world, but um, like goblin culture or werewolf culture or house elf culture, you know, that sort of thing. So I'd love to see that. Anyway, I'm going to take my break. I will be right back. Feel free, of course, to keep talking in chat because I will read it when I come back. See you in a bit. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. And by that, I mean, welcome back to me because I'm back. Mr. Fu says, ideas from chat so far. Anthology, visiting pasts and futures of characters that we know. 
law and order. <laughs> uh, back in Black, solid. The Black family drama. You know what? The the whole, like, it would be way too blunt and uh, just way too on the nose, but imagine how good of a... Um, uh, how good of a theme song for a TV show the Paint It Black song would be? Right? And we, as we just sort of like sweep around their ridiculously haunted, awful house. Right? That would be dope. That'd be good, some good stuff. Okay. Luna's Family Story. Especially, ooh, that would be a good one. See, that's the... Sorry. I dropped something. Um, it's just something I'm fiddling with. I don't know why. I'm... Anyway, um, the, uh, the the stuff like Luna's family story with the Daily Prophet and uh, Xenophilius. Um, boy, see, I don't know how I would do this without f falling prey to the temptation of just trying to cover all the backstory. You know what I mean? Like if I did Marauders, like I would want to do all the stuff about Luna anyway. I'd want to do all the stuff about the Black family history. I'd want to do um, uh, Young Hagrid. I'd want to see Young McGonagall. I would try to do all of it, probably. Mr. Foos, thanks for the wrap-up, by the way. Um, uh, okay, so Pure Blood Family Histories. Yeah, we could see that. Yeah, so, so like um, um, the ancestors of the... Um, Malfoys and the ancestors of the Weasleys and how they interacted. Um, let's see. Malfoy POV of of the series or of book six. Yeah, that would be a solid one. Uh, Malfoy's kind of the whole Malfoy family dynamic. Um, one would probably branch, especially if there was a black storyline, like a black family storyline. Um, we would probably see a decent bit of the Malfoys in there. Um, the black sisters. Yep. Uh, background stories of culture pockets like the werewolves, house elves, goblins, etc. Yes, indeed. Um, boy, I really like that the 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 family of Black, the House of Black. I really, I think I, I think that one's sort of topping it out for me. But of course, like there's something unavoidable about how good the the Marauders series would be. I just don't know if it's one of those things where I'm always hesitant to talk about anything that has a real like hard line already laid down for it and the marauders like there's a lot of information about the marauders already um to the point where i don't i wouldn't want to try and like re re-establish the stakes or the dynamics of the relationships there you know what i mean i'm, I'm more comfortable sometimes with this spinoff series is that uh that start in a place where um, there's really just like a mention of it or something, you know, something like the uh, uh, Fantastic Beasts, where to find them. Of course, that starts to tie into the Grindelwald story, that that much bigger established story. But for the most part, like that, that uh, the Newt Scamander story is one that was largely untold. I don't know. Ministry of Magic West Wing style would be a very good one. Yep, Neville's parents uh, would be an excellent one. Deb, welcome to Scooter Patrol. If they eat hot pockets or not, huh? Oh boy. Uh, yeah, Neville's parents. Let's see, history of the house elves. Yep, absolutely. Elder wand succession. Oh, that'd be an interesting one.
let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a lot of good material. Just got off work. What did I miss? Uh, let's see. Yeah, we you missed chapter. It was actually chapter eight, um, and uh, we are just about to get into chapter nine. Um, so essentially, now is as good a time as any to do our review. So um, if you want to listen to the whole if to, to the whole chapter, tally ho. Ooh, Mystic Seeker. I almost missed that one. Nicholas Flamel story. Yes, I like that one. That, then you get into like young Dumbledore stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, here is our review of the uh, of the chapter. Um, we have we've found ourselves um, with Harry in the uh, uh, in the Hogwarts Express. He has been immobilized. Tonks comes and uh, essentially rescues him from just ending up on the Hogwarts Express all the way back to essentially back to London, um, which would have been no good. Um, we have uh, we, we we find ourselves with Snape. Uh, Snape is the one who's going to bring Harry back up to the castle, and Snape takes this opportunity to give a few jabs at Harry um, regarding Sirius's death. Super insensitive stuff, but you know we know who Snape is. Um, when he reaches the castle, Harry uh, sits down for the feast. Of course, Malfoy is starting to tell his story of how he managed to break Harry's nose. Fantastic. Um, but most importantly, Dumbledore stands up for his his uh, discussion during the the beginning of the term feast. AK Gamer, how's it going? Welcome, glad to see you. Um, and Dumbledore outlines some things that Harry, Ron, and Hermione were a bit mistaken on. Um, we have uh, we have a. Um, uh, a new teacher for two classes. We have a new potions teacher. It is Horace Slughorn, and that is because Snape will be fulfilling the position of Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Interesting, right? <laughs> um, a little surprising that we, we find ourselves in this position, but it looks like Snape has finally gotten what he wanted all this time. So, let's continue. Lisa Hall, how's it going? Um, and Rebecca says, I guess maybe you're right. Sorry, this is back when uh, we were talking about how old McGonagall might have been during the uh, McGon during the Marauders' school ages. You know, when the Marauders were in school, what was uh, what was she up to? How old was she? I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Rebecca's guessing maybe 30, 40. I always thought she was about 60 in Harry Potter. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. So let us continue. Off we go with Wild Blue Yonder. So um, our next chapter for the night and our last chapter for the night is chapter nine, The Half-Blood Prince. All right. Harry and Ron met Hermione in the common room before breakfast the next morning. Hoping for some support for his theory, Harry lost no time in telling Hermione what he had overheard Malfoy saying on the Hogwarts Express. But he was obviously showing off for Parkinson, wasn't he? interjected Ron quickly before Hermione could say anything. Well, she said uncertainly, I don't know. It would be like Malfoy to make himself seem more important than he is. But that's a big lie to tell. 
Sorry. My window got resized some somehow. Unacceptable. Okay, here we go. Exactly, said Harry, but he could not press the point because so many people were trying to listen into their conversation, not to mention staring at him and whispering behind their hands. It's rude to point, Ron snapped at a particularly minuscule first-year boy as they climbed the queue, uh, as they joined the queue to climb out of the portrait hole. The boy, who had been muttering something about Harry behind his hand to his friend, probably turned scarlet and toppled out of the hole in alarm. Ron sniggered. Love being a sixth year. <laughs> and we're going to be getting some free time this year. Whole periods we can just sit up here and relax. You're going to need that time for studying, Ron, said Hermione at once as they set off down the corridor. Yeah, but not today, said Ron. Today's going to be a real dos, I reckon. Hold it, said Hermione, throwing out an arm and halting a passing fourth year who was attempting to push past her, with a lime-green disc clutched tightly in his hand. Fanged frisbees are banned. Hand it over, she said sternly. The scowling boy handed over the snarling frisbee, ducked under her arm, and took off after his friends. Ron waited for him to vanish, then tugged the frisbee out of Hermione's grip. Excellent! I've always wanted one of these! Hermione's remonstration was drowned out by a loud giggle. Lavender Brown had apparently found Ron's remark highly amusing. She continued to laugh as she passed them, glancing back over at Ron over her shoulder. Ron looked rather pleased with himself. The ceiling of the Great Hall was serenely blue and streaked with frail, wispy clouds, just like the squares of sky visible through the high, mullioned windows. While they tucked into porridge and eggs and bacon, Harry and Ron told Hermione about their embarrassing conversation with Hagrid the previous evening. But he can't really think that we continue care of magical creatures, she said, looking distressed. I mean, when has any of us sparked any... expressed any interest, you know, any any enthusiasm? Well, that's it, though, isn't it? said Ron, swallowing an entire fried egg whole. We were the ones who made the effort in classes because we liked Hagrid. But he thinks we like the stupid subject. Do you reckon anyone's going to go into the N.E.W.T.? <sighs> Neither Harry nor Hermione answered. There was no need. They knew perfectly well that nobody in their year would want to continue care of magical creatures. They avoided Hagrid's eye and returned his cheery wave only half-heartedly when he left the staff table ten minutes later. After they had eaten, they remained in their places, awaiting Professor McGonagall's descent from the staff table. The retribution of class schedule... Retribution? Hello? The distribution of staff... Oof, oof, oof. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Calm down. Calm down, Sam. Let's take this... Let's take this... Let's take a moment, shall we? Good grief. I'll mumble mouth today. After they had eaten, they remained in their places, awaiting Professor McGonagall's descent from the staff table. The distribution of staff... Oh, I did it again. Of class schedules was much more complicated than usual this year, for Professor McGonagall needed first to confirm that everybody had achieved the necessary OWL grades to continue with their chosen NEWTs. Hermione was immediately cleared to continue with charms, defense against the dark arts, transfiguration, herbology, arithmancy, ancient runes, and potions, and shot off for a first period ancient runes class without further ado. 
Neville took a little longer to sort out. His round face was anxious as Professor McGonagall looked down his application and then consulted his OWL results. A bullogy, fine, she said. Professor Sprout will be delighted to see you back with an outstanding OWL. And you qualify for defense against the dark arts with exceeds expectations. But the problem is transfiguration. I'm sorry, Longbottom, but an acceptable really isn't enough for you to continue to an EWT level. I just don't think you'd be able to cope with the coursework. Neville hung his head. Professor McGonagall peered at him through her square spectacles. Why do you want to... I'm sorry, that's really peaky. I gotta, that, that voice is... It takes a lot. I apologize for all the sound. Why do you want to continue with Transfiguration anyway? I've never had the impression that you particularly enjoyed it. Neville looked miserable and muttered something about "boy grandmother wants." Hmm. Snorted Professor McGonagall. It's high time your grandmother learned to be proud of the grandson that she's got, rather than the one that she thinks she ought to have, particularly after what happened at the Ministry. Neville turned very pink and blinked confusedly. Professor McGonagall had never paid him a compliment before. I'm, I'm sorry, Longbottom. I cannot allow you into my EWT class. I see that you have an exceeds expectations in charms, however. Why not try N-E-W-T in charms? My grandmother thinks charms is a soft option, mumbled Neville. Take charms, said Professor McGonagall, and I shall drop Augusta a line reminding her that just because she failed her charms, O-W-L, the subject is not entirely worthless. Smiling slightly at the look of delighted incredulity on Neville's face, Professor McGonagall tapped a blank schedule with the tip of her wand and handed it, now carrying the details of his new classes, to Neville. Professor McGonagall turned next to Parvati Patil, whose first question was whether Ferenz, the handsome centaur, was still teaching divination. He and Professor Trelawney are dividing classes between them this year said Professor McGonagall, with a hint of disapproval in her voice. It was common knowledge that she despised the subject of divination. The sixth year is being taken by Professor Trelawney. Parvati set off for divination five minutes later, looking slightly crestfallen. So, Potter, Potter, said Professor McGonagall, consulting her notes as she turned to Harry. Charms, defense against the dark arts, apology, transfiguration, all fine. I must say I was pleased with your transfiguration, Mark Potter, very pleased. Now, why haven't you applied to continue with potions? I thought that it was your ambition to become an aura. I was, but you told me that I had to get an outstanding in my OWL professor. And so you did when Professor Snape was teaching the subject. Professor Slughorn, however, is perfectly happy to accept N.E.W.T. students with exceeds expectations at O.W.L. Do you wish to proceed with potions? Yes, said Harry, but I didn't buy the books or any ingredients or anything. I'm sure Professor Slughorn would be able to lend you some, said Professor McGonagall. Very well, Harry Potter, here is your schedule. 
Oh, by the way, 20 hopefuls have already put their names down for the Gryffindor Quidditch team. I shall pass the list to you in due course, and you can fix up trials at your leisure. A few minutes later, Ron was cleared to the same subject as Harry, and the two of them left the table together. <laughs> Look, said Ron, delightedly, gazing at his schedule, we've got a free period now, and a free period before break, and after lunch. Excellent! Oh, excuse me. We've got a free period now, and a free period after break, and after lunch. Excellent. There we go. They returned to the common room, which was empty, apart from a half dozen seventh years, including Katie Bell, the only remaining member of the original Quidditch team that Harry had joined in the first year. I thought you'd get that. Well done, she called over, pointing at the captain's badge on Harry's chest. Tell me when you'd call for trials. Don't be stupid, said Harry. You don't need to try out. I've watched you play for five years. No, you mustn't come starting off like that, she said warningly. For you now, there's somebody much better than me out there. Good teams have been ruined before now because captains kept playing the old faces or letting in their friends. Ron looked a little uncomfortable and began playing with the fanged frisbee Hermione had taken from the fourth-year student. It zoomed around the common room, snarling and attempting to take bites out of the tapestry. Crookshank's yellow eyes followed it, and he hissed when it came too close. Chatter break. <laughs> Rebecca says, okay, now I want an Augusta Minerva buddy comedy. Augusta, oh shoot, who's Augusta? Oh, duh, yeah, Neville's, Neville's grandmother. Um... Here, let's go back to the library so people in Nevada know that they can skip this if they want to. It'll be quick, but they can skip it if they want. Um, uh, yeah, so Augusta, Minerva, and then I've seen a bunch of fan art, including Minerva McGonagall and Poppy. Um, Poppy um, uh, Pomfrey, Madam Pomfrey, the, the healer at Hogwarts. I've seen a bunch of art with the two of them, and uh, like the the... I don't know. It, it just seems like they apparently were good friends in a lot of people's minds. So, yeah, why not? Good friends or even possibly, like, romantically involved with one another. Which I think would be a fun story. Why the heck not? <laughs> story cat. Thank you. Thanks for the airdrop. All right. What's our Jetterbreak question? What do we got? What do we got? Um, but I'm, st I'm still just mentally stuck on all of the, the possibilities of like spinoff series of this. Let's see. There's your in-house rivalry. Yeah, true. Yeah, I guess there's the question. Um, you know, back when back when all of the teachers were young and in school, now I recognize, some of them weren't, weren't all in school at the same time. For instance, you know, like, uh, um, I don't think McGonagall was a student at school at the same time as Hagrid. But um, where do we think sort of the lines of, of uh, you know, alliances and such would be drawn if they had been? You know, assuming a lot of these, these uh, professors were in school at the same time. Or even the ones who weren't, you know, like people like Snape was a student of McGonagall's at one point, I believe. So how did, how did Professor McGonagall feel about student Snape? I could be totally off about that. It sounds right. 
Two power, how's it going? Oh, another one from Australia. First time catching the stream. Welcome. Got the time zones mixed up. Realized you're late. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, let's see. If you show up an hour and a half earlier than right now, you should be in at about the perfect time. All right. Okay, Courtney's saying I'm right. Snape was McGonagall's student. Yeah, how are they feeling about that? We'll see. Go ahead and talk it over in chat. I'm going to keep going with the story. Oh, boy. Now I have to remember what page I'm on. Rot row. I think it's this one. Huh? <laughs> um, and Witch Hazel says, not all the teachers went to Hogwarts, did they? That is an excellent point. I wonder what ones came from other schools and what traditions they might have come back with. Interesting. Interesting. Discuss. <laughs> okay. An hour later, they reluctantly left the sunlit common room for the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom four floors below. Hermione was already queuing outside, carrying an armful of heavy books with uh, a put-upon look. We've got so much homework for runes, she said anxiously when Harry and Ron joined her. A 15-inch essay. Um, and folks in the Discord, don't be using the at everyone command. That one's mine. That one's only me. Bum, 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 bum. Let's see. Sorry, just a moment. There we go. That's what I needed. Okay, cool. We've got so much homework for runes, Hermione said anxiously when Harry and Ron joined her. A 15-inch essay, two translations, and i am got to read these by Wednesday. Shame, yawned Ron. You wait, she said resentfully. I bet Snape gives us loads. The classroom door opened as she spoke, and Snape stepped into the corridor, his sallow face framed as ever by two curtains of greasy black hair. Silence fell over the queue immediately. Inside, he said. Harry looked around as they entered. Snape had imposed his personality on the room already. It was gloomier than usual, as curtains had been drawn over the curtains. It was lit by candlelight. New pictures adorned the walls, many of them showing people who appeared to be in pain, sporting grisly injuries or strangely contorted body parts. Nobody spoke as they settled down, looking around at the shadowy, gruesome pictures. I have not asked you to take out your books, said Snape, closing the door and moving to face the class from behind his desk. Hermione hastily dropped her copy of Confronting the Faceless back into her bag and stowed it under her chair. I wish to speak to you, and I want your fullest attention. His black eyes roved over their upturned faces, lingering for a fraction of a second longer than Harry's, uh, for a fraction of a second longer on Harry's than anyone else's. You have had five teachers in this subject so far, I believe. You believe, 
like you haven't watched them all come and go, Snape, hoping that you'd be next, thought Harry scathingly. Naturally, these teachers have all had their own methods and priorities. Given this confusion, I am surprised so many of you scraped in OWL in this subject. I shall be even more surprised if all of you manage to keep up with the NEWT work, which will be much more advanced. Snape set off around the edge of the room, speaking now in a lower voice. The class craned their necks to keep him in view. The dark arts, said Snape, are many, varied, ever-changing and eternal. Fighting them is like fighting a many-headed monster, which each time a neck is severed sprouts a head even fiercer and cleverer than before. You are fighting what is unfixed, mutating, indestructible. Harry stared at Snape. It was surely one thing to respect the Dark Arts as a dangerous enemy, another to speak of them as Snape was doing, with a loving caress in his voice. Your defences, said Snape a little louder, must therefore be as flexible and inventive as the arts you seek to undo. These pictures, he indicated a few of them as he swept past, give a fair representation of what happens to those who suffer, for instance, the Cruciatus Curse. He waved a hand toward a witch who was clearly shrieking in agony. Feel the Dementor's kiss. A wheezing. Uh, a wizard, lying huddled and blank-eyed, slumped against the wall. Or provoke the aggression of the Inferius. A bloody mass upon the ground. Has an Inferius been seen, then? Said Pavadi Patil in a high-pitched voice. It, is it definite? Is he using them? The Dark Lord has used Inferi in the past said Snape, which means that you would be well advised to assume that he might use them again. Now, he set off again, around the other side of the classroom toward his desk, and again they watched him as he walked, his dark robes billowing behind him. You are, I believe, complete novices in the use of nonverbal spells. What is the advantage of a nonverbal spell? Hermione's hand shot into the air. Snape took his time looking around at everyone else, making sure he had no choice before saying curtly, Very well, Miss Granger. Your adversary has no warning about what kind of magic you are about to perform, said Hermione, which gives you a split-second advantage. An answer copied almost word for word from the standard book of spells, grade six, said Snape dismissively. Over in the corner, Malfoy sniggered. But correct in the essentials. Yes, those who progress to using magic without shouting incantations gain the element of a surprise in their spellcasting. Not all wizards can do this, of course. It is a question of concentration and mind power, which some... His gaze lingered maliciously upon Harry once more. Lack. Harry knew Snape was thinking of their disastrous occlumency lessons from the previous year. He refused to drop his gaze, but glowered at Snape until Snape looked away. You will now divide, Snape went on, into pairs. One partner will attempt to jinx the other without speaking. The other will attempt to repel the jinx in equal silence. Carry on. Although Snape did not know it, Harry had taught at least half of the class, 
everyone who had been a member of the DA, how to perform a shield charm the previous year. None of them had ever cast the spell without speaking, however. A reasonable amount of cheating assumed. A reasonable amount of cheating ensued. Many people were merely whispering the incantation instead of saying it aloud. Typically, ten minutes into the lesson, Hermione managed to repel Neville's murdered, murmured, muttered Jelly Legs Jink without uttering a single word. A feat that would surely have earned her twenty points for Gryffindor from any reasonable teacher, thought Harry bitterly, but which Snape ignored. He swept between them as they practiced, looking just as much like an overgrown bat as ever, lingering to watch Harry and Ron struggling with the task. Ron, who was supposed to be jinxing Harry, was purple in the face, his lips tightly compressed to save himself the temptation of muttering the incantation. Harry had his wand raised, waiting on tender hooks to repel a jinx that seemed unlikely ever to come. Pathetic, Weasley, said Snape after a while. Here, let me show you. He turned his wand on Harry so fast that Harry recognized, ins reacted instinctively. All thought of nonverbal spells forgotten, he yelled, Protego! His shield charm was so strong, Snape was knocked off balance and hit a desk. The whole class looked around now and watched as Snape righted himself, scowling. Do you remember me telling you that we are practicing nonverbal spells, Potter? Yes, said Harry stiffly. Yes, sir. No need to call me sir, Professor. The words had escaped him before he knew what he was saying. Several people gasped, including Hermione. Behind Snape, however, Ron, Dean, and Seamus grinned appreciatively. Detention. Saturday night. My office, said Snape. I do not take cheek from anyone, Potter. Not even the chosen one. <laughs> I hope that's not just incredibly blastingly loud to y'all. If it is, I apologize. All right, gang, chatter break. Let's see, what are we on here? So, Snape is finally, officially, at long last, he is in charge of Defense Against the Dark Arts. Now, what do we think this Defense Against the Dark Arts class is going to consist of? What do we think that he is going to teach in Defense Against the Dark Arts? Based on what we know of Snape here, based on what we understand, what do we think we're gonna, we're gonna learn from Snape as students of his Defense Against the Dark Arts class? Do we think it's gonna be a good one? Do we think he's going to be a good teacher about this? Yep, Rachel. Rachel has been has been waiting for this line for a while. The uh, no need to call me sir, professor. Courtney says the best way to torture Harry. Yeah, just teaching everyone how to how to beat up on Harry. It's possible. Fantastic. I think he's going to be a decent teacher. You know what I mean? Like, with the exception of the fact that he is obviously an incredible bully to Harry. I don't mean. I don't mean he's going to be a good teacher. I think he's going to be good at teaching it. Um, you know, I think, uh, honestly, if it, if it hadn't... Assuming I'm not in the position of Harry, and I wouldn't have reacted well to a teacher who did this to another student either, but 
if if Harry were never a part of the picture, I tended to react fine to fairly severe teachers who were just very serious about their subjects. As long as I got a great sense that they were very intentional and very, very um, knowledgeable about the subjects that they were teaching, I tended to be pretty, pretty, uh, I tended to react pretty well to that. But um, not so much to the, uh, you know, constantly singling out one student and just making life horrible for them. Endless magic, says Joseph Hartzler. Interesting. Uh, Aiden says, or Aiden, Aiden, uh, says curses, maybe uh, the real dark arts, possibly. Yeah, I think uh, 22 says uh, good because he's got the knowledge. Yeah, we, we know that uh, that Snape is, well, he's got the learning in him. He's got the knowledge. All right, let's bounce back. Let's see, are we here yet? Nope. Okay. That was brilliant, Harry. <laughs> Chortled Ron once they were safely on their way to take a break a short while later. You really shouldn't have said that, said Hermione, frowning at Ron. What made you do it? He, he tried to jinx me in case you didn't notice, fumed Harry. I had enough of that during Occlancy lessons. Why doesn't he use another guinea pig for a change? What's Dumbledore playing at anyway? Letting him teach defense. Did you hear him talking about dark arts? He loves them. All that unfixed, indestructible stuff. Well, said Hermione, I thought he sounded a bit like you. Like me? Yes, when you were telling us what it's like to face Voldemort. You said it wasn't just memorizing a bunch of spells. You said it was just you and your brains and your guts. Well, wasn't that what Snape was saying? Wasn't that what he was saying? That it really comes down to being brave and quick thinking. <laughs> Another good pull by Story Cat. Well done. Harry was so disarmed that she had thought of his words as well worth memorizing as the standard book of spells that he didn't argue. Harry! Hey, Harry! Harry looked around. Jack Sloper, one of the beaters on last year's Gryffindor Quidditch team, was hurrying toward him with a roll of parchment. For you, panted Sloper. Listen, I heard you're the new captain. When are you holding trials? I'm not sure yet, said Harry, thinking privately that Sloker, Sloper would be very lucky to get back on the team. I'll let you know. Oh, right. I was just hoping it would be this weekend. But Harry was not listening. He had just recognized the thin, slanting handwriting on the parchment. Leaving Sloper in mid-sentence, he hurried away with Ron and Hermione, unrolling the parchment as he went. Dear Harry, I would like to start our private lessons this Saturday. Kindly come along to my office at 8pm. I hope that you are enjoying your first day back at school. Yours sincerely, Albus Dumbledore. P.S. I enjoy acid pops. He enjoys acid pops, said Ron, who had read the message over Harry's shoulder and was looking perplexed. It's the password to get past the gargoyle in his study, said Harry in a low voice. <laughs> Snape is not going to be pleased. I won't be able to do his detention. He, Ron, and Hermione spent the whole of break speculating on what Dumbledore would teach Harry. 
Ron thought it most likely to be spectacular jinxes and hexes of the type that Death Eaters would not know. Hermione said such things were illegal, and thought it much more likely that Dumbledore wanted to teach Harry defensive, advanced magic. After break, she went off to Arithmancy while Harry and Ron returned to the common room, where they grudgingly started Snape's homework. This turned out to be so complex they'd still not finished when Hermione joined them for their after-lunch free period, although she considered speeding up the although she considerably speeded up the process. They had only just finished when the bell rang for the afternoon's double potions, and they beat the familiar path down to the dungeon classroom that had, for so long, been Snape's. When they had arrived in the corridor, they saw that there were only a dozen people progressing to N.E.W.T. level. Crab and Goyle had evidently failed to achieve the necessary O.W.L. grade, but four Slytherins had made it through, including Malfoy. Four Ravenclaws were there, and one Hufflepuff, Ernie McMillan, whom Harry liked despite his rather pompous manner. Harry, Ernie said portentously, holding out his hand as Harry approached, didn't get a chance to speak in defense against the dark arts this morning. Good lesson, I thought, but shield charms are old hat. Of course, for us old D.A. lags. How are you, Ron? Hermione? Before they could say more than fine, the dungeon door opened and Slughorn's belly preceded him out of the door. As they filed into the room, his great walrus mustache curved beyond his beaming mouth, and he greeted Harry and Zabini with particular enthusiasm. The dungeon was, most unusually, already full of vapors and odd smells. Harry, Ron, and Hermione sniffed interestedly as they passed large, bubbling cauldrons. The four Slytherins took a table together, as did the four Ravenclaws. This left Harry, Ron, and Hermione to share a table with Ernie. They chose the one nearest a gold-colored cauldron that was emitting one of the most seductive scents Harry had ever inhaled. Somehow it reminded him simultaneously of treacle tart, the woody smell of a broomstick handle, and something flowery he thought he might have smelled at the burrow. He found that he was breathing very slowly and deeply, that the potion's fumes seemed to be filling him up like drink. A great contentment stole over him. He grinned across at Ron, who grinned back lazily. Now then, now then, now then said Slughorn, whose massive outline was quivering through the many shimmering vapors. Scales out, everyone, and potion kits, and don't forget your copies of Advanced Potion Making. Sir, said Harry, raising his hand. Harry, right, my boy. I haven't got a book or scales or anything, nor Ron's. We didn't realize we'd be able to do any WTs this year, you see. Oh, yes. Professor McGonagall did mention, not to worry, my dear boy, not to worry at all. You can use ingredients from the store cupboard today, and I am sure that we can lend you some scales. Got a small stack of old books here. They'll do until you can write to flourishing blots. Slughorn strode over to a corner cupboard and, after a moment's foraging, emerged with two very battered-looking copies of Advanced Potion Making by Libatious Borage which he gave to Harry and Ron, along with two sets of tarnished scales. Now then, said Slughorn, returning to the front of the class and inflating his already bulging chest so that the buttons on his waistcoat threatened to burst off. 
I've prepared a few potions for you to have a look at, just out of interest, you know. These are the kind of thing that you ought to be able to make after completing your N.E.W.T.s. You ought to have heard of them, even if you haven't made them yet. Can anybody tell me what this one is? He indicated the cauldron nearest the Slytherin table. Harry raised himself slightly in his seat and saw what looked like plain water boiling away inside it. Hermione's well-practiced hand hit the air before anyone else's. Slughorn pointed at her. It's Veritaserum, a colorless, odorless potion that forces the drinker to tell the truth, said Hermione. Very good, very good, said Slughorn happily. Now, he continued, pointing at the cauldron nearest the Ravenclaw table. This one here is pretty well known, featured in a few ministry leaflets lately, too. Who can... Hermione's hand was fastest once more. It's Polyjuice Potion, sir, she said. Harry, too, had recognized the slow, bubbling, mud-like substance in the second cauldron, but did not resent Hermione getting the credit for answering the question. She, after all, was the one who had succeeded in making it back in their second year. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Now, this one here. Yes, my dear, said Slughorn, looking slightly bemused now as Hermione's hand punched the air once again. It's Amortentia. It is indeed. It seems almost foolish to ask, said Slughorn, who was looking mightily impressed, but I assume that you know what it does. It's the most powerful love potion in the world, said Hermione. Quite right. You recognize it, I suppose, by its distinctive mother-of-pearl sheen? And the steam rising in characteristic spirals said Hermione enthusiastically, and it's supposed to smell differently to each of us according to what attracts us, and I can smell freshly mown grass and new parchment and... But she turned slightly pink and did not complete the sentence. May I ask your name, my dear, said Slughorn, ignoring Hermione's embarrassment. Hermione Granger, sir. Granger. Granger, can you possibly be related to Hector Dagworth Granger, who founded the most extraordinary society of potioners? No, I don't think so, sir. I'm muggle-born, you see. Harry saw Malfoy lean close to Knot and whisper something. Both of them sniggered, but Malfoy... Sh Malfoy? What? Who is that? Who the heck is Malfoy? Unacceptable. <laughs> Starry Cat got me again. But Slughorn showed no dismay. On the contrary, he beamed and looked from Hermione to Harry, who was sitting next to her. Ho, 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 one of my best friends is Muggleborn, and she's the best in our year. I'm assuming this is the very friend of whom you spoke, Harry? Yes, sir, said Harry. Well, well, take twenty well-earned points for Gryffindor, Miss Granger, said Slughorn genially. Malfoy looked rather as he had done the time Hermione had punched him in the face. Hermione turned to Harry with a radiant expression and whispered, Did you really tell him that I'm the best in the year? Oh, Harry. Well, what's so impressive about that? whispered Ron, who for some reason looked annoyed. You are the best in the year. I'd have told him so if he'd asked me. Hermione smiled and made a shh gesture so that they could hear what Slughorn was saying. Ron looked slightly disgruntled. Amortentia doesn't really 
create love, of course. It is impossible to manufacture or imitate love. No, this will simply cause a powerful infatuation or obsession. It is probably the most dangerous and powerful potion in this room. Oh, yes, he said, nodding gravely at Malfoy and Knott, both of whom were smirking skeptically. When you have seen as much life as I have, you will not underestimate the power of obsessive love. And now, said Slughorn, it's time for us to start work. Sir, you haven't told us what's in this one, said Ernie McMillan, pointing at a small black cauldron standing on Slughorn's desk. The potion, the potion within was splashing about merrily. It was the color of molten gold, and large drops were leaping like goldfish above the surface, though not a particle had spilled. Ho-ho, said Slughorn again. Harry was sure that Slughorn had not forgotten the potion at all, but had waited to be asked for dramatic effect. Yes, that. Well, that one, ladies and gentlemen, is a most curious little potion called Felix Felicis. I'll take it, he turned, smiling to look at Hermione, who had let out an audible gasp. That you know what Felix Felicis does, Miss Granger? It's liquid luck. Liquid luck. Oh, boy. See, every... <laughs> I've gotten worse at the Hermione one. For some reason, uh, I've, I've lost some of that falsetto that I need, and she, she ends up sort of dropping out occasionally. It's liquid luck, said Hermione excitedly. It makes you lucky. The whole class seemed to sit up a little straighter. Now all Harry could see of Malfoy was the back of his sleek blonde head, because he was at last giving Slughorn his full and undivided attention. Quite right. Another ten points for Gryffindor. Yes... It's a funny little potion, Felix Felicis, said Slughorn. Desperately tricky to make and disastrous to get wrong. However, if brewed correctly, as this has been, you will find all of your endeavors tend to succeed, at least until the effects wear off. Why don't people drink it all the time, sir? said Terry Boot eagerly. Because if taken in excess, it causes giddiness, recklessness, and dangerous overconfidence, said Slughorn. Too much of a good thing, you know. Highly toxic in large quantities, but taken sparingly and very occasionally. Have you ever taken it, sir? said Michael Corner with great interest. Twice in my life, said Slughorn. Once when I was twenty-four. Once... When I was fifty-seven, two tablespoonfuls taken with breakfast, two perfect days. He gazed dreamily into the distance. Whether he was play-acting or not, Harry thought the effect was good. And that, uh, said Slughorn, apparently coming back to earth, is what I shall be offering as a prize in this lesson. There was silence in which every bubble and gurgle of surrounding potions seemed magnified tenfold. One tiny bottle of Felix Felicis, said Slughorn, taking a minuscule glass bottle with a cork out of it, with a cork in it out of his pocket, and showing it to them all. Enough for twelve hours of luck. From dawn till dusk you will be lucky in everything that you attempt.
Now, I must warn you that Felix Felicis is a banned substance in organized competitions, sporting events, for instance, examinations or elections. So the winner is to use it on an ordinary day only. Now watch how that ordinary day becomes extraordinary. So, said Slughorn, suddenly brisk, how are you to win my fabulous prize? Well, by turning to page 10 of advanced potion making. We have a little over an hour left to us, which should be time enough for you to make a decent attempt at the draught of living death. I know it's a decent bit more complicated than anything you've attempted before, and I do not expect a perfect potion from anybody. person who does best, however, will win little Felix here. Off you go. It was a scraping sound as everyone drew their cauldrons toward them and some loud clunks as people began adding weights to their scales. But nobody spoke. The concentration within the room was almost tangible. Harry felt Malfoy riffling feverishly. Oh, excuse me. Harry saw Malfoy riffling feverishly through his copy of Advanced Potion Making. It could not have been clearer that Malfoy really wanted that lucky day. Harry bent swiftly over the tattered book Slughorn had lent him. To his annoyance, he saw that the previous owner had scribbled all over the pages so that the margins were as black as the printed portions. Bending low to decipher the ingredients, even here the previous owner had made annotations and crossed things out, Harry hurried off toward the store cupboard to find that, um, to find what he needed. As he dashed back to his cauldron, he saw Malfoy cutting up valerian roots as fast as he could. Everyone kept glancing around at what the rest of the class was doing, this was both an advantage and a disadvantage of potions. It was hard to keep your work private. Within ten minutes, the whole place was full of bluish steam. Hermione, of course, seemed to have progressed furthest. Her potion already resembled the smooth black currant colored liquid mentioned as the ideal halfway stage. Having finished chopping his roots, Harry bent low over his book again. It was very irritating trying to decipher the directions under all the stupid scribblings of the previous owner, who for some reason had taken issue with the order to cut up the sapophorus bean and written in the alternative instruction, crush with flat side of silver dagger, releases juice better than cutting. Sir, I think you knew my grandfather, Abraxas Malfoy. Harry looked up. Slughorn was just passing the Slytherin table. Yes, said Slughorn, without looking at Malfoy. I was sorry to hear that he had died, although, of course, it wasn't unexpected. Dragon parks at his age. And he walked away. Harry bent back over his cauldron, smirking. He could tell that Malfoy had expected to be treated like Harry or Zabini, perhaps even hoped for some preferential treatment of the type he had learned to expect from Snape. It looked as though Malfoy would have to rely upon nothing but talent to win that bottle of Felix Felicis. The sepulphurous bean was proving very difficult to cut up. Harry turned to Hermione. Can I borrow your silver knife? She nodded impatiently, not taking her eyes off of her potion, which was still deep purple. Though according to the book, it ought to be turning a light shade of lilac by now. Harry crushed the bean with the flat side of his dagger. To his astonishment... It immediately exuded so much juice he was amazed the shriveled bean could have held it all. Hastily scooping it all into the cauldron, he saw, to his surprise, that the potion immediately turned the exact shade of lilac described in the textbook. 
his annoyance with the previous owner vanishing on the spot, Harry now squinted to the next line of instructions. According to the book, he had to stir counterclockwise until the potion turned clear as water. According to the addition that the previous owner had made, however, he ought to add a clockwise stir after every seventh counterclockwise stir. Could the old owner be right twice? Harry stirred counterclockwise, held his breath, and stirred once clockwise. The effect was immediate. The potion turned palest pink. How are you doing that? demanded Hermione, who was red-faced and whose hair was growing bushier and bushier in the fumes from her cauldron. Her potion was still resolutely purple. Add, oh, whoops, add a clockwise stir. No, no, the book says counterclockwise, she snapped. Harry shrugged and continued what he was doing. Seven stirs counterclockwise, one clockwise, pause. Seven stirs counterclockwise, one stir clockwise, pause. Across the table, Ron was cursing fluently under his breath. His potion looked like liquid licorice. Harry glanced around. As far as he could see, no one else's potion had turned as pale as his. He felt elated. Something that had certainly never happened before in this dungeon. And the time is up, called Slughorn. Stop stirring, please. Good night, Jujubee. Slughorn moved slowly among the tables, peering into cauldrons. He made no comment, but occasionally gave the potions a stir or a sniff. When he reached the table where Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and Ernie were sitting, he smiled ruefully at the tar-like substance in Ron's cauldron. He passed over Ernie's navy concoction. Hermione's potion gave an approving nod. Then he saw Harry's, and a look of incredulous delight spread over his face. The clear winner! He cried to the dungeon. Excellent, excellent, Harry. Good Lord, it's clear that you have inherited your mother's talent. She was a dab hand at potions, Lily was. Here you are, then. Here you are. One bottle of Felix Felices, as promised, and use it well. Harry slipped a tiny bottle of golden liquid into his inner pocket. Feeling an odd combination of delight at the furious looks on the Slytherin's faces and guilt the disappointed expression on Hermione's. Ron simply looked dumbfounded. How did you do that? He whispered to Harry as they left the dungeon. I got lucky, I suppose, said Harry, because Malfoy was within earshot. Once they were securely ensconced at the Gryffindor table for dinner, however, he felt safe enough to tell them. Hermione's face became stonier with every word he uttered. I suppose you think I cheated, he finished, aggravated by her expression. Well, it wasn't exactly your own work, was it? She said stiffly. You only followed different instructions to ours, said Ron. It could have been catastrophic, couldn't it? But he took a risk, and it paid off. He heaved a sigh. Slogan could have handed me that book, but no, I've got the one that no one's ever written on. Puked on by the look of page 52, but... Hang on, said a voice close by Harry's left ear, and he caught a sudden waft of that flowery smell he had picked up in Slughorn's dungeon. He looked around and saw that Ginny had joined them. Did I hear that right? You've been taking orders from someone... You've been taking orders from something that someone wrote in a book, Harry? She looked alarmed and angry. 
Harry knew what was on her mind at once. It's nothing, he said reassuringly, lowering his voice. It's not like, you know, Riddle's diary. It's just an old textbook that someone scribbled on. But you're doing what it says. I just tried a few of the tips written in the margins. Honestly, Ginny, there's nothing funny. Ginny's got a point, said Hermione, perking up at once. We ought to check that there's nothing odd about it. I mean, all these funny instructions, who knows? Hey, said Harry indignantly, as she pulled the copy of Advanced Potion Making out of his bag and raised her wand. Specialis Revelio, she said, wrapping, this, wrapping smartly on the front cover. A.K. Gamer, welcome to Scooter Patrol. Nothing whatsoever happened. The book simply lay there, looking old and dirty and dog-eared. Are you finished? said Harry irritably. Or do you want to wait and see if it does a few backflips? It seems all right, said Hermione, still staring at the book suspiciously. I mean, it does seem to be just a textbook. Good, then I'll have it back, said Harry, snatching it off the table, but it slipped from his hand and landed open on the floor. Nobody else was looking. Harry bent low to retrieve the book, and as he did so, he saw something scribbled along the bottom back of the cover, on the bottom of the back cover, in the same small, cramped handwriting as the instructions that had won him his bottle of Felix Felicis, now safely hidden inside a pair of socks in his trunk upstairs. This book is the property of the Half-Blood Prince. If you are in the Discord, make sure you visit the new notifications channel. That is going to be our uh, our new notification system, such that you only get notified about the stuff you're interested in, not the other stuff. Oh, by the way, Safta Sage, welcome to Scooter Patrol. I hope you all are doing well. That is the end of our second chapter for today. Of course, there is still beans to be done. It's beans time. But that's it for today for the reading. Um, for all of you who have joined us today, thank you so much. Um, if you are listening on the YouTube premiere, remember that immediately after this video, the uh, the the premiere, uh, the, the live version of our next chapters will be going live right then on Mixer. So if you're watching this live on YouTube, if you're watching this during the... Uh, during the um, premiere on YouTube, remember, head straight over to Mixer and join me. For all of you who are currently with, with me in Mixer, in Discord, thank you so much for being here. It's been fantastic. It was a good couple of chapters. I love doing that uh, that uh, slughorn voice. I'll be honest, it's gotten even more fun as I've progressed through the books. Like, now that I'm doing it, the live version, um, back when I'd done it before, I was using the exact same voice, but for some reason, it's more fun this time. Snape has gotten a little less fun. Snape is a little less challenging to sort of deliver for the mic properly. Um, that's all right. It's, you know, part of the reason I'm doing this is to practice properly. But uh, yeah, that, that Slughorn one is a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Louis Allen says, thank you, Sam. You've really ruined audiobooks for me. No one else can compete. I appreciate that an awful lot. I had somebody else uh, pass me the same compliment in the Discord uh, pretty recently. And uh Folks, I really appreciate uh, all the fantastic feedback I've gotten for this. Um, everyone who has kind of stuck with me over, you know, we've had some some various and sundry issues plague the channel at different at different times, and of course, you know, I've had to I've had to deal with life just like any any pursuit, any hobby. This one just involves a lot more people than your average hobby, um, uh, and relies on your patience. And you have what the heck was that? You have delivered that patience in abundance, and so I thank you very very much. Um, I'm going to go summon my assistant really quickly, and then I'm back for beans.
So stick around. It's Birdie Bot's Every Favorite Bean. I'll be back in just a moment. Also, before I go, that sounded super weird. Why does it sound like Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Bean is super wrong? It's Birdie Bot's something flavor bean? Am I right? I don't know. Discuss. All right, I'm back. I got the AC on now again. Ah, Witch Hazel says, I don't know what other books you've read aloud like this, but I just had the idea of you reading the Percy Jackson series. Um, there has been so much approval for that one as the next series. Um, I've, I've just been hearing a ton about that and just in the world in general, just about how people feel about how Percy Jackson was handled as a, as a series of films and everything as well. Um, I would say Percy Jackson is probably looking like a front runner. I am going to put it to a vote, but um, uh, Percy Jackson is, I'm going to guess after the vote, going to be the next series that we do here uh, after Harry Potter is over and done with. Mr. Foose says he's done The Great Gatsby on YouTube and some of Frankenstein uh, and a bit of my own work. Indeed. Uh, you're so red today. <laughs> this is what you look like when you're all blue. Yeah, we we should go on a walk someday as like, as if we're trying to uh, start uh, like a, a sort of weird trailer park alternative to the Wiggles. <laughs> Me in my tracksuit, you in your old gym clothes. Okay, folks, let's do some beans, shall we? Okay. All right, hold on, hold, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it. I don't have time for this. You don't have time to it. What are you working on? Calling out my family. Oh, gotcha. I can do the solo if you got stuff you need to work on. Just hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, be number one. Ah, I'm ready. Um, as usual, a quick schedule for the week. Um, on Tuesday, I don't have anything uh, going for right now, but I'm, I'm hoping to boot back up with Frankenstein very soon. I'm getting some kind of cinnamony, outdoors kind of thing going on. Nope. Nope, it's vomit. Vomit. Put it on the board. Nailed it. All right, well, that one was easy. Uh, I'm hoping to get Frankenstein booted back up pretty soon here. On Wednesday, we are going through a game called Disco Elysium. Um, I want to warn everybody. I'm going to get rid of this old one before I stick a new one. I want to warn anybody interested in the Disco Elysium videos. Um, there is some mature content discussed there. Um, relating to kind of the central crime that we're solving in the game. I don't. So be forewarned if anybody has kids on here. Uh, those are not videos that your kids should be watching. I'm doing my best on my end to make sure that they are, um, you know, blocked off, properly marked, etc. And uh, properly content warninged. But that said, it is a fantastic game, fantastic artwork, and... Uh, over the past two sessions, we have made incredible progress. Now this bean, I'm having some trouble with. 
I'm getting some like strawberry. Ooh, I think it's that strawberry banana. Um, hold on. No? There's like a weird kiwi. Or acidics of some kind. It's supposed to be good bean. I can tell you that much. I don't know. I don't think I'm getting much banana, if there is any. Hmm. I'm not sure I recognize that one. I'm gonna go with the the uh, the smoothie one or shake or whatever it is, because whatever I say, I'm, it's always the other one. Um. I'm gonna go with yeah smoothie, smoothie or, or shake or whatever it is. Juicy pear. Juicy pear. Mm -hmm. All right. One for two. Again, man, I am so much better at identifying the bad flavors than I am the good ones. I'm starting to, I'm starting to pick up the subtle differences between vomit and dishwater. That's not a position I ever wanted to be in life, but here I am. Okay, I don't. As usual, on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific time, we have Chat Plays Dungeon World. We had an excellent session today, um, in which uh, our party went up against a spectral. Uh, dwarf and uh, that was terrorizing a town you'll have to watch the episode if you want to learn more about it but if you want to watch the episode and then come join us every Thursday 1 p.m. Pacific time so um, let's see three hours prior to the beginning of the uh, Harry Potter stream whatever time that is for you this one is marshmallow yep. that one's an easy one that's three correct mm -hmm. sounds good Hold on, hold on, let me get rid of this one. I'm ready. And of course, every Thursday, whatever time this is for you, uh, for me it is 4 p.m. Pacific time. We've got Harry Potter. I'll be back again next week. I plan to be back on my regular schedule. The the the, the hecticness of the past week has uh, mostly died down, and I'm hoping that's going to continue to be the case. I don't Hmm. I've got a lot of residual flavors in my mouth. I think it's masking a bad bean for me. I'm a bad bean. Y'all can't kill me. Hmm. <laughs> this is one of the bad ones that's not like super, super awful. It's going to be like Stinky Sock, I think. On the board. Stinky Sock. Uh, Dirty Dishwasher. Dirty Dishwasher? No, it might have been Stinky Sock. It wasn't pink. Is Stinky Sock typically pink? Pink. This, this one's typically stinky sock. Hmm. It's like pinkish. The one are you sure? I thought that was dishwatery. dots are dish, dishwater. This one was like... Yeah, the big blotches are... It was white with big blotches. Hmm. So it's either stinky sock or dishwasher. I think I should get that one. Sure. Because I'm the only one who tasted it, so I'm the only one who knows for sure, and I'm sure it was definitely stinky sock. You said... I'm getting a lot of residual flavors on this one. I'm not sure I can identify it. Well, the big thing is it's not what I taste. It's what I don't taste. And I know that there is a bitter, like, dishwater, like, soap flavor to the other one. All right. No, Michaela. I want two. I'll take two and an asterisk, but I want two. Michaela. Was that number three? I think that was number four, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at two with an asterisk out of four. All right. I'm ready up. For anyone who is interested in the Discord, and you all should be, because that's where I do most of my updates, I don't, 
Go ahead and join up there. Head straight to the notifications channel in there. It's up near the uh, the lobby and the schedule channels. Um, but that's where you can choose what stuff you want to be notified about. So you only get notified about the stuff you're interested in, and you can catch those every time. Um, this one's super chocolatey. Uh, this is the chocolate pudding on the board. Birthday cake. Hmm. Dang. I'm definitely getting some chocolate in there. Birthday cakes can be chocolate. You're right, but that's not fair, though. Why would they do that to me? I'm getting it now, yeah. It's that cake sort of thing. Actually, really quick, we've got one additional bean. Way we to got, go, guys. We have, one, good work. we have one additional bean, and you can thank on Twitter. You can thank. Just a moment. Let me find it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Lacey, a.k.a. Dirty Little Monster on Twitter. <laughs> But you can thank this person. Um, you can thank them for the extra bean today. Remember, anyone who passes it around. Um, although it wasn't technically a share of the uh, HP Out Loud hashtag, I'm going to count it anyway. It was yeah, direct, sure direct promo. It was it was giving me a boost, and I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's do it. This one is for Lacey. I was wondering how long you were going to make me just sit there and pose like that with my <laughs> mouth open. Ow. Lacey, let's see. Have you done me a favor or have you done me a terrible, terrible wrong? It's a favor. No, it's the same as the last one. I'm getting like chocolate, but it might be birthday cake. Again, hold on. Um, I'm sticking with my guns. I don't taste the cakiness. Chocolate pudding. Yes, yes. <laughs> Child of the Sun, you are finally here to catch it live. Unfortunately, you're here right at the very, very end. You're at the very end. I'm literally about to sign off. Um, I do hope that you uh, will come join us again um, next week. Uh, I just ran through my schedule. Um, you can check that out on the Discord as well. But remember, um, basically, uh, not this week. Or I should say not next week, Tuesday, but uh, very soon. My schedule will go back to Tuesday through Thursday. 1 p.m. Uh, on Tuesday for Sidecar Classics. 1 p.m. This is all Pacific time. 1 p.m. Tuesday for Sidecar Classics. So Frankenstein for the time being. 1 p.m. on Wednesday for gaming-related stuff. Right now we're doing Disco Elysium. 1 p.m. on Thursday for Chat Plays Dungeon World, which you can join into, and it's the most exciting thing that I am doing right now. And then, of course, after that... 4 p.m. Pacific time, we will be doing Harry Potter once again. So, thank you all very much. Um, anybody from the from the Dungeon World group, don't forget, tomorrow we're doing our uh, Spout Lore session. It's not a stream, it's just a, a meetup on Discord, so we can talk about the various things that we learned this week. And for all of you, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'll just, you know, who I can see in the chat right now. Well, first of all, those listening on Discord, because I can see all of your names at once. Egg8191, Aiden, Debbie, Jade Dragon... Uh, Joaquinwa, Louis Allen, Muffin Man, Sander. Thank you all very much for listening. And then, of course, those of you in dis in uh, Mixer, I can't see all of you at once, but Silly Tilly, Child of the Sun, Rachel, McQuaque, Tuna, McQuaque and Tuna, of course, um, uh, 22, Gwen Dog, uh, and everyone who was here today. Mr. Foose. Don't forget an extra special thanks to Mr. Foose, who uh, helped a lot with the, the art from this week. He was able to compile a lot of the art that I ended up using. Thank you very much. 
and I will see you later on. I don't know. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>